Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to encourage and inspire you in your walk with God. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. I'm so glad you've tuned in to hear the rest of Kim Cossie McKee's story. If you missed our previous episode, you might want to listen to that one first so you get the full story, but you'll also be blessed if you decide to start here. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Kim has lived those words. Since January 2019, she's been a bivocational pastor. She's the community relations director for the largest contemporary Christian radio station in America, which is KSBJ in Houston, while also serving as senior pastor with her husband, Carrie, of Latter-day Deliverance Revival Church. That church was founded by her parents, Bishop Roy Lee McCossie Jr. and his wife, Barbara. The faith journey that brought Kim to this place has clearly been directed by the Lord every step of the way. Now let's get back to Kim's story. God took you on such a circuitous route to get to KSBJ, but... I bet if you look back, and I bet when you look back, because I'm sure you do, you see all the things that God was teaching you and putting in your life that you would need for this role, the role that you had. Absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing has been wasted. In fact, one of the things he spoke to me is that had he not been able to entrust me to work at Star of Hope with the mission for the homeless, Mm -hmm. he could not have opened any of those other doors that he had for me. And it was there that I learned, you're talking about learning unconditional love and seeing the best in the body, you know, and, and even strangers, you know, it's a lot of goodness and a lot of people who want to help, who want to see people's lives come together. And absolutely, it, it was just amazing. And it still is. I look and see that all of those were building blocks for where he wanted to take me. Because I say all the time, he doesn't waste anything. He's weaving a a tapestry. And with some things, as the song says, we understand it better by and by. And sometimes we may never understand, but we trust. We trust the plan of God. Well, he did the same for me. I mean, I started as a computer programmer and then I became an event planner. And then I became, you know, I mean, now I'm, then I was in international ministry. God took me places like you would think, who is this? She, she's, she doesn't know what she wants to be when she grows up, but it was all directed by the Lord. Yes, Jody. I knew of you before you started working with Doug Stringer. And I went, how did Doug get Jody? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I admired you. I did, you know, just seeing another a young woman that was so dedicated um, to minist- in ministry, and which is why God, he intends for all of our lives to be an inspiration yeah. to someone yeah. else. Even, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been able to share my journey with someone who may be struggling or their dream might seem to be evading. Wow. But you know, God tells us there's that scripture, despise not the day of small beginnings. I read that this week. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. That's right. So you stepped into the role of KSBJ and you were building that program from scratch. So where did you begin and what did God do and show you through that? 
Well, as with any new experience, I'm bright-eyed, I'm bushy-tailed, I'm excited. They told me that I would find some, that even though there had not been anyone in the, this position, that I might, uh, I should be able to find some contacts and some file folders in this office. And I go, and there is a folder. <laughs> One. <laughs> Looking, I'm like, okay, this must be some heavy hitters in this one folder. Um, but one of the names that was in that folder was Doug Stringer. Mm. And somehow, I, I don't know if he first called me or I pick up the phone and called him, but it was a divine appointment because he was, it, it was as if um, I told someone meeting Doug was like meeting the body of Christ. Because he was so well-connected and so unselfish and so helpful. He literally, he started telling me about the networking meetings he would have, ministries coming together. I'm telling you, Doug just, he helped me in so many ways, you know, to be able to begin to quickly build a network, you know, from churches to nonprofit organizations, friendships that I carry with me to this day. And I remember just even praying, saying, Lord, bless me to be that kind of a a leader that is so unselfish and so giving that'll just pick up a phone and make things happen, you know? And so, yeah, it was just tremendous. You know, you might think you don't have much to work with, but if God can give you just that one smooth stone, on that one slingshot, Whatever he does make available, he can use it to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how it was. I was able to build that community relations department up for about 14 years. And then, drum roll, please. I could not imagine (laughs) what would be more fulfilling than that job because I was on mission trips and scheduling mission trips and organizing trips and all kinds of outreach, both locally and abroad. And then the station, well, the Lord spoke to my heart that we needed to have a, an even stronger, more strategic prayer ministry. So I wrote a vision for a prayer department and I presented it. And at the time, it wasn't the time, yeah. but in the fullness of time, when you know we got to that point to where those conversations ball to the top, then I was approached, Kim, would you want to apply for a position of director of prayer initiatives? Wow. And Yes. And as the, and Jody, again, how God miraculously works before that position became available. One of my sisters in the Lord invited me to go with her to Africa to a prayer conference. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you that was a prayer encounter, like never before, we're in a stadium where the, the floor is shaking and with people praying and where people were bringing mattresses so they could stay all night wow. and pray. Talking about an impartation that happened during yeah. that trip. Wow. That Yes. So when this, when they tell me about this opportunity, I'm going, 
whoa, Lord, you're serious. You sent me to a prayer conference in Nigeria where some folks are praying and calling down the power of God. And so that last two years, uh, I was able to serve in that capacity where we gave birth to prayer stations in Houston. We didn't come up with the idea. The idea was through YWAM. We were uh, doing all kinds of prayer from the jails to downtown Houston on corners. We literally took prayer far beyond praying with people over the phone to praying to the public square, if you will. You know, and you take, saw some amazing things happen during that time. Oh, yes, ma'am. We saw, in fact, I can remember taking, we went to a, uh, took a prayer station to this one place where they were having a graduation, I believe. It was like one of these job readiness training programs. They're having a graduation. We took a prayer station so we can pray with graduates. But one of the people we prayed for was a staff member. Mm-hmm. And I went to when I was transitioning and because I moved away and, and came back. And now this is post KSBJ. Now I'm looking for a job when I moved back to, to Texas and I go to a job there and I meet a girl who immediately connects with me. And she says, Kim, I remember you brought a press station to my job. She said, and I was under a doctor's care for excruciating back pain. They didn't know what was wrong. I was taking medications. Nothing was changing. She said, but you and some others prayed for me. And she said, I just want you to know that from that day forward, that back, my back has been healed. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, even when we birthed the prayer ministry, I say, Lord, I know this is a a mobile experience for people. We're just kind of moving from place to place. But every now and then, would you just let somebody come back like that leper, you know, just to let us know what you did? And I'm telling you, everywhere we went, Jody, someone would reach out. They may call our front desk. They might write and tell us, I got the job. You know, I got pregnant. I got married, whatever it was, those things that we were praying, the Lord was just letting us know that it wasn't in vain, that he was in that ministry. He, he had anointed it to accomplish. Well, you mentioned Doug Stringer, who's the founder of Somebody Cares, the ministry I serve with. And our vision is to equip the body of Christ to be a tangible expression of God's love to the hurting. And one way we do that is through the Widow and Orphans Fund. Through our network around the globe, we care for orphans as well as widows who've given a lifetime of service to the Lord and who are now in need. And, you know, in many Muslim countries, pastors and ministers pay the ultimate price for the gospel leaving wives and children with no support. And as a company of women, we can do so much together to help care for them. We invite you to join our company with a gift at hergodstory.org or go to somebodycares.org or hergodstory.org and find out more about what we're doing. So Kim, all this time, you're working at Star of Hope and at KSBJ, you were still single and you were still living at home with your parents. God had placed you in a good job with influence throughout the city. So why not get your own place? Well, I didn't get my own place. Well, let me just say, it's not that I didn't try. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying very diligently to get my own place, but it would never fall into place. And I remember the last time that I was, you know, going down that road, looking for my own place. 
I said, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody because I was around a lot of praying prophetic people. I said, I'm not going to tell anybody so that nobody can prophesy on me about this. I am sitting on my bed with the paper open with everything. Just I'm looking at apartments and I'm, I'm going through the ads and I get a call from a friend of mine that was living in Oklahoma at the time. And she said, Kim, God laid you on my heart. So I wanted to give you a call. And I said, oh, it's so great to hear from you. And she says, I don't know if you're thinking about moving away, you know, getting your own place. She says, but God said, don't move. <laughs> and I'm, just, I'm just holding the phone. I'm going, this can't be happening. <laughs> but he spoke to my heart and he said, don't. She said, in fact, she said, don't move out of your father's house which was very significant. Don't move out of your father's house. And so he later spoke to my heart and said, don't move out, marry out. Well, now I'm prepared for the long haul, Jody, because there's no prospects in sight. Don't know what yeah. that's going how that's going to all develop. But yeah, he, he had his own purpose for why he wanted me to stay under the, the covering that I was receiving from my father yeah. and my parents your mom passed away. It's at some point. That's right. That's right. After really she served my... ministry to your father, as well as all that you were doing. Absolutely. They were married 50 years. And by 2001, mom went to be with the Lord. And so mother would always tease and say, the church was the other woman. And mm -hmm. we were just so grateful that he had the church in addition to his children, because that would have been just an such a tremendous void in his life to go from a house full of people because we stayed in that that same house 50 plus years yeah. uh, for him to live there alone but the lord wanted me there to be there for him yeah. you know to 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 be there in whatever way that looked like you know it's not that my other siblings were not a part of of caring for him but it was god wanted someone to be there um he wanted me very specifically and strategically, because the conversations we had in the midnight hour over ice cream, Jody, I mm -hmm. just can't, I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. And there were times he would be talking to me and I would say, he's talking to me as if I'm a pastor or something. Why these kinds of conversations? And he would say, you know, I don't know what all God wants to do with you. I don't know the doors he wants to open. And that's how he would you know, position it. But at times I would just go, hmm, this is very interesting, you know, that I'm here at a time like this for this long, because you're talking from 2001 to 2014. So you were also still ministering to the youth in the church. You never, I mean, once you started doing that, you know, That's all right. through the years when you were working, you continued to really pastor the youth in the church and it started gaining some notoriety in the city. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So one of the things that I pledged early on is that I wanted to, that I was going to remain celibate and, and live a life of abstinence. And that was before I even knew that there was a such, such a thing as true love waits. Mm -hmm. But once I heard that there was something that was familiar to a lot of young people in different denominations who were officially and ceremonially taking pledges and wearing true love waits rings. And so that was something that I wanted to align with 
And yeah. so I began to do that, you know, right there in the heart of inner in of the inner city, you know, where many times there was a lot of teenage pregnancy or untimely pregnancies, you know, just wanted to be able to encourage young people that there's one way that's absolutely guaranteed where you won't have to worry about being a teenage mom. Yeah. Um, it's to abstain. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just. Don't just let's re, let's keep it in the context that God intended for it to be. And so I began to host True Love Waits workshops, True Love Waits ceremonies, not just at our church, but in other places. And it just became a, a far bigger message and a greater platform than I ever imagined because I was working in radio. So God did some very unique things with that. And because it was so unique in an age of where promiscuity is really lauded, it caught the attention of the news, one of the news stations. Well, it sure did. So a movie came out called A Real, I think it was called A Real 40-Year-Old Virgin, I think was the name of the movie. Uh, I've heard heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. So that spurred, that sparked the interest of a young lady that was a news reporter, a Christian living out her faith in a secular uh, news outlet. And so she was talking to one of my coworkers and said, oh, I would love to find a real 40 year old virgin that is living out their faith. That's doing it because of their relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And so she so happened to have been speaking with my coworker who so happened to have known that I was doing True Love Waits and about to do, because she wanted to find a, a ceremony that was mm-hmm. taking place. And all of this conversation was taking place in March, April. Well, our ceremony was planned for May. And so she connected me with her and she said, Kim, would you mind if I brought Fox 26? Uh, she said, I want to do a story on abstinence. And she said, um, I, if if you don't mind me telling your story about being a real life um, 40 year old virgin, I said, actually 41, 41 years old. She said, I would love to do that. And so here we are the day of the ceremony, all of these young people, 30 something of them are prepared uh, with their pledge. And we have it set up as if it were a wedding of sorts and had a banner, the banner with Song of Solomon, his banner over me is love. And the atmosphere was just amazing. And she comes and tapes portions of the ceremony. And I, I still have the news clip to this day because it was so special. And it was just such an interesting reaction, Jody, from classmates, people that I've known through the years. You you never know who's looking at news or who's listening at something until you're on it. Right. <laughs> when you're the subject, the reactions were unreal to the point I went in the cleaners that morning to drop off some clothes. And this was my first test because they were actually kind of making mockery. You know, and they go, were you on the news this morning? And these ladies were just laughing and they're like, that is not my story. Better you than me. You know, that kind of thing. You know, the enemy was like, now, see, you're putting yourself out there to be the laughing stock. I had one of those conversations with my dad and he said, you know, you have nothing to be ashamed of. That's right. He's like, now, what a lot of these people are doing, they should be ashamed. (laughs) Not you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, just never, you know, allow the Lord to do 
with your story what he wants to. And I will tell you this, Jody. a month ago, a lady comes to my house with my sister-in-law. I didn't know her, but she knew my family. And she begins to tell me how she said, I remember seeing you on the news. She says, Kim, when I saw you, she said, that blessed me so much. She said, and I've thought about that many a day as I've been now a widow or a widow for all of these years. She said, I said, you know what? I'm going to keep myself. So it's like the gift that just keeps Keep on giving. giving. Who yeah. ever imagined that for that long length of time, God would still let that testimony be ministering to people. Yeah. And then there was even a follow-up story years Absolutely. later. Yes. At the time that God also ordained. So share about that. I am telling you. So um, now my uh, Boaz has come. You know, God has brought the man that he wants me to marry into my life. And one of my friends, when she uh, heard of the marriage on that that first phone call, when I let her know that I was going to be getting married, she's like, Kim, Fox needs to come back. You need to invite them back to do a follow-up story. And I said, what are the chances? I mean, I said, because the girl who did the story doesn't even, she went to a bigger market. She doesn't even live here anymore. And so, and she's like, yeah, but it may be worth a try. So she, you know, did some preliminary information to find out who to connect with. And then somebody told me, gave me kind of like a direct line to uh, one of the reporters of faith that mm -hmm. More likely to do it. And so a lady by the name of Domily Keith caught wind of the story and she said, Kim, I remember that story. She said, and you're about to get married. She was like, oh, I would love to do a follow up. So she literally, she comes to the radio station on what would be my last time leading chapel as I'm sharing my testimony and she's in the back of the room in tears mm. because she was waiting and believing God. And so they literally did a follow-up story because they she still had it in the archives of the station. And seven years later, they do a story as I'm about to get married. And the way God did with that story, Jody, by a mistake, a, a pure a fluke, they told my story, but they had someone else's pictures, a whole nother couple's pictures as a part of the story. Mm -hmm. Well, when they realized it, they ended up running the story two days in a row. Wow. <laughs> God wanted the word out again. It's so funny to me how the Lord, you know, there was a time that as a kid, I wanted to be known, you know, I wanted to just be out there just I mean, you know, I wanted God to be glorified, but I wanted platform, if you will. Yeah. But I tell you, we don't get to tell God how. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, it's funny because I, over the course of my life have, you know, I've been somewhere or something's been happening and the Lord's brought back to mind. This is something that you wanted. This is, this is a little desire of your heart. I mean, it wasn't a huge life shattering desire, but this was a little desire of your heart that I heard. And here it is. That's right. And Absolutely. It's, it's sweet how the Lord will do that for us. That's right. That's right. And the, the beauty is that he does it in his own way yeah. and in his own timing. And sometimes it's, it's humorous how he'll do it. I have a sister who said someone told her they saw her 
singing in Paris, you know, and, and she added context to that. And she ended up singing at a friend's birthday party. You know, she's like, well, there I, I am. <laughs> it wasn't a concert hall. But <laughs> so so God was- had you marry out. I mean, here you're Boaz Kane. He had you marry out and he married you way out. You moved to California which that's a big change. I mean, Texas to California, that's, you know, that was a refining fire time for you. So what did God do in you? My mother used to tell me that someday um, my my prince would come, she said, and you're just gonna, because I was telling her, I said, mom, I'm never going to leave you and dad. I mean, once I saw how long this was taking, I'm like, let's just dig our heels in. (laughs) (laughs) she's like oh yeah you'll leave someday god will send your prince and you'll go riding out into the sunset and if you're heading to california that's exactly where you go (laughs) and so um god connected me with a classmate from 30 years ago that i had not seen in 30 years and um, it was, he had gone through um, a painful divorce and um, his sons told him, well, dad, just to, for social purposes and interaction, at least get on Facebook, you know, and he didn't want to, because like many people hesitate, he's like, you know, I don't want people all in my life like that, yeah. you know, but they, they helped him to understand how he could use it. And once he got on immediately, as you know, it begins to bring all of these people through uh, algorithms and all that bring all these people from different places and stages of your life. You know, I was one of those pictures that popped up and he said, he began, he began to pray because he knew he was going to marry again. You know, he said, Lord, I just want you when it is time for me to marry again, I pray that you'll send someone to me like Kim Kasi from high school. Wow. And he said, I didn't, ask for you. I just asked for someone like you, you know, he said, and one of those other times that he's looking at pictures, he's getting ready to come to Texas, which is where he was from, but he had been there for 26 years. He was getting ready to come to Texas and he sees a picture of me on Facebook. And I was, um, I can honestly say it was one of my cutest ever, Jody. I was in <laughs> Hawaii with my sisters, you know, we're having a photo shoot. Everyone had to wear white. And so I'm standing on black rocks. There's a blue ocean behind me. The wind's blowing this beautiful flowy flare skirt in my hair and all of that. So of all the pictures, that's the one he saw. And he goes, whoa, she's well-preserved. She's looking good. But he said, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, that's your future wife. Wow. And he looked up to heaven and said, really, God? Really? He said, and he said, okay, well... If that's her, Lord, you're going to orchestrate some things. So he went and told his friends, which at the time were not believers, but he told his friends, he said, and they just laughed him to scorn. They're like, yeah, right. You've not seen this woman in 30 years. And you say, this is your future wife. How? But anyway, he came on to town and um, reached out. He reached out uh, while he was here and uh, wanted to get together. And I was just, I was blown away because of the way things had just, God had been speaking, you know, and orchestrating things. And so when, when he called, I just, I, I'm wondering, okay, God is, hmm, you try not to read too much into to things. And, um, but it was 
indeed God's plan for us to get together. And so it's been now in our ninth year. So you're in California then, which, yes. you know, your mom oh said, you, you know, you will leave and you eventually did. So, I mean, when that, when, when God's appointed spouse comes. Yes. You know, I'm telling you, we never know what's a part of the package. Right. And, and honestly, I never imagined because at this point um, I'm I'm still living home with dad. He has advanced stages of Parkinson's and it felt like it would have been the worst time, you know, for me to leave. Yeah. Um, but in, but in earnest, uh, Carrie and I were both praying because he was open too. he said, Kim, it may be that God wants me to move to Houston you know, uh, but we were praying and you're kind of suspended in midair because <clears throat> you, you're not going to want to leave your job in a lurch either, you know, and, and it's a, it's one thing to just resign and go from one job to the next, but it's another thing you're resigning and you're moving cross country and you've not moved away for all of these years. And so God did make it plain that it was for me um, to move and go to California. And that ended up being a whole nother leg of the faith journey, because that was as close to Abraham as I probably had ever been to leave country, <laughs> country, kindred, everything familiar to go to this new land. Nobody knew me. Nobody knew about the radio station, no track record, no friends. Uh, that was the a first in my life, because even when I went away to college, about 14 people from my high school went up. But now I'm in this place where I'm trying to figure out. And, and you know, I had had a lot of people to say, well, Kim, California, that's a that's a great place of opportunity, especially for media. And so you you shouldn't have a problem at all finding a job. And I didn't think I would either, because my resume, I thought, was really strong. Yeah. But the same God who opens doors can put a deadbolt on them too until he's ready. And so once again, I'm starting to get the rejection because now I'm shooting for the moon, Jody, but I felt I had a right to shoot for the moon because I got a career under my belt. Right. You know, and um I would get close, an interview here and an interview there, but doors just weren't opening. And I just remember those moments of, you know, Carrie goes to work and I'm at home and just saying, God, who am I now? I mean, really, I, all I am is Carrie's wife and your daughter. And he said, can that be enough? Can that just be enough for this season of your life? You know, and so um, I had to get to a point of acceptance and God was dealing with Carrie too. You know, it, while he's dealing with me, he's dealing with him till he got to a point, because if you know anything about living in California, it's very expensive, hmm. you know, and it, and if you have two able-bodied people who can work, ideally you want to, you know, and um, we got to a point to where he said, you know what, Kim, I think you just need to just relax. He said, I've, I've got us. I mean, God is taking care of us. And if it's not his will for you to work in this season, then don't worry about it. Just use this time to, to get renewed. Because honestly, Jody, I didn't realize how tired I was. Yeah. Um, I had been at such a hectic pace 
for years. And so honestly, for about the first six months, I was sleeping. I'd, I'd fall asleep right while he's talking. And while he's every Sunday, my favorite place to be was while he's looking at football, I'm on the couch, just snoozing it out, you know? And, but still after the six months though, now you're thinking, okay, God, I'm rested. <laughs> Ready to go. Let's do yeah. this. But he had me to begin to just, those words came back, spin yourself. In other words, begin to serve. And yeah. so the pastor asked me if I would consider uh, overseeing the women's ministry. And I did. Um, I began to volunteer with the food bank that was what uh, we would do on uh, on the church grounds. Um, I would fill in a Sunday school teacher. Um, so I just, again, just start start serving and just finding fulfillment in that. And I started getting involved in like the chamber of commerce, going to meetings and, you know, things like that. So that I, cause I'm the type Jody, it's like, I want to feel connected and in the know, you know, what's, what's happening in the environment and in the community. And so I went to volunteer at the library. And so just started doing things, just, just settling into that. And um, really I, I was thinking, well, I'm just kind of evidently God is going to bless me, bless us to go back home. But that was no sign that that was going to happen anytime soon either. Yeah. You know, and so we would have those conversations that maybe what if this is it? What if it's for us to just stay here? We just had to say, well, if it is, then God's will be done. Yeah, God's will be you done. did come back to Houston. Yes, we did. We did. My, um Carrie began to talk, um, he, his faith just began to, to arise in that area. He just started telling me, you know, Kim, I, I'm ready to go. To, I want to go back home. He said, I want to go back home. I've been away from my mother for, and my family for such a long time. One Sunday, I knew this was different when he, at the end of the message, because he was the assistant pastor and he's preaching that particular Sunday. He said, this is the last Mother's Day. I'll be away from my mom. He said, I've been away for 26. He said, in this one, I'm going back home. And we honestly did not see how this was going to happen because it was, by our estimate, it was going to cost us about $10,000 to be able to move. Because um, mm. again, he had been there 26 years. So it wasn't just two people. We have all this stuff. And, and um, we put it, the request on the refrigerator with all of the estimates and God through a miracle, he did in fact move us back home. Wow. He, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he, he did it by his own hand from Carrie's cousin driving a, a, a being an 18 wheel driver, an 18 wheeler. Uh, we didn't realize that was the profession. I didn't, that that was something he was doing and certainly didn't know if he had license to do it you know, in cross country like that. But the tickets we were going to use to go home for the holidays ended up being a ticket to fly him to um, into town so that he could come and um, help. He helped us finish packing and all of that. And in what, two days, two or three days, we were back home in time for Thanksgiving. Wow. With a huge moving truck. And <laughs> he drove it for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, that was really perfect timing because your dad at this point, he had 
I mean, he had faithfully pastored the church for over 60 years. And with Parkinson's, he really couldn't take that on anymore, that full weight of that. So he was looking to the future. He came to you about leading it, which as the youngest of nine, and, you know, you had several brothers in ministry, that must've been interesting conversation and transition. So how did that all transpire without blowing up into a big family? A (laughs) rift, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one thing about it, I know that my father has, um, I'm sure this is something that he has prayed about throughout his ministry. And even though the youngest, my mother says that I was the first one to profess a call to ministry. Mm. And she said, because she would often, she would say, Lord, with four sons, I know someone is, is a preacher, but my parents both made a decision. They said, they did not want to be these parents who they say where mom called them and daddy sent them, you know, they wanted yeah. us to know that it was God's calling. And so I, I professed that call to ministry. And then all of the years serving as a pastor, you know, uh, pastoring um, the youth of the church. And so I still, though, had not seen myself as being, even if I was to pastor someday, I didn't consider I was to pastor that church with such a legacy and such a spiritual giant. And so uh, when dad first talked to me about it, honestly, Jody, I said nothing to no one, not even Carrie. I just did like Mary and pondered it in my heart and said, Lord, if this is you, I want you to talk to my other siblings about this please, you know, confirm it and all of that. And, and honestly, one by one, different ones would came to me and say, Kim, did that express to you that he uh, wants you to be the, the pastor of the church? And so at this point I was serving in an associate uh, pastor role, but um, as it happened, Jody, thankfully my older sister and brother had already been serving as assistants to my dad. And mm-hmm. so when he first passed, I didn't have to have to step directly into that role. And quite frankly, I don't feel like I was in the emotional space to do that. So I was able to, I had some recovery time and some sobering time um, to continue to pray this through if that was to be. And then our family came together and our board came together and um, prayed about what, who would be God's choice for the role. And um, sure enough, here I am now, you know, we're um, in January of 2019 is when we on January 1, you know, accepted uh, roles as senior pastors, both me and Carrie were um, installed in April. And my dear friend, once again, Duck Stringer is the officiant, the same man who married Carrie and I was there to um, usher us into this new uh, season of our lives. And he was the perfect person to do that, Jody. He had shown my father such great respect throughout the years. I have pictures of Doug kneeling down before my dad. I have pictures of Doug laying prostrate before my father, you know, to pray with him and pray for him. And so it was a daunting task and thought of, you know, I remember praying, saying, God, how are we going to fill this void of such a huge 
um, spiritual giant, you know, and the Lord yeah. just spoke to my heart and said, just do what he did. He said he fasted, he prayed, he obeyed. He said, yeah. just, just do that. It, it just one day at a time, one, one step at a time. And he gave me one word, the word tailwind. And I remember I said, tailwind. Hmm. I looked it up and it said, uh, I knew it had something to do with planes. And it said, it's a wind blowing from behind. And he said, do you know what that wind is? He said, that's the wind of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I was, that's what I did to bring the ministry to where it is. And my same spirit will, will lead and guide the ministry into the future that I have for it. He, he has proven himself to be faithful. We started out the first year was a renovation because that was the last thing that was on my father's heart to do. He wanted to do uh, some renovating in the church and some upgrades. And so that was the first thing we wanted to do. And then the next two years, we were in pandemic mode, you know, just like, yeah. whoa, okay, Lord. And I can tell you, um, Jody, I hear my father's voice just so clearly all the time all yeah. the time, you know, both of them. Oh yeah. I was say both fathers probably. <laughs> both <huh>? fathers, yes, <laughs> yes. Both of them, both of them just leading um, and guiding us every step of the way. It's been amazing. Kim, I am sure that you have some foundational practices that have kept you grounded in your walk with the Lord through all the easy times and the challenging times. And, you know, these are things that I'm sure, you know, anybody, any believer out there can do. What are those things that have been crucial in your life? Sure. Well, always having, there's always someone or some people in my life that can be um, confidants, some, some intercessors, some accountability people in my life. That's a staple. And I'm also an avid journaler, a journal all the time. In fact, from the time I found a fabric covered journal that I just thought was pretty in my sister's car, uh, I asked her about it and she said, you want to have it? And I said, yeah, actually I do. And I started out using it as a prayer journal where I would write prayer requests I had for all kinds of things. And then it became more of a cathartic, dear God, my letters, my musings, my struggles, whatever. And so now, Jody, I'm at about, I probably have 42 journals um, wow. that are filled with just experiences in God. And every now and then I'll get one off of the top shelf just randomly and just open it up and say, wow, 2001, I was crying about blah, blah, blah. And look what God did. Yeah. <laughs> It's encouraging when we go back and we can see God's handprint, God's fingerprints oh, in our lives. Yes. So journaling, having prayer partners, having one of the things that was important to me when I got my new home, I wanted a war room. So mm -hmm. we we dedicated what would have been um, a, a laundry room on the second floor, which I had never wanted that on the second floor, but we were able to turn it into, they say some people would use it for storage, but we looked at each other, Carrie and I at the same time, and we said, prayer room. So that's our space, you know, yeah. where we can go in there one-on-one. -on -one. I've learned the practice and I'm learning the practice of waiting on God, literally 
you know, for him to, in case he wants to speak something to my heart, you know, just, you know, it's so easy to go into your prayer room and just talk to him, talk, 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 and pray. But I've been going through Andrew Murray's 31 day devotion on waiting on God Mm -hmm. and practicing that. And that has been an experience that has been, it makes me feel even more connected to my parents because I remember church services where they literally would wait, just sit in silence to see what God wanted them to do or what God wanted to say. And so those were just some of the things, you know, praying, fasting, uh, just uh, making that just a part of my, my discipline. And especially um, those times when you have difficult decisions to make, are you seeking God for direction or his guidance, or there's a, a, a stronghold in your life or someone else's that needs to be broken, you know, just using those spiritual weapons, yeah. you know, the arsenal that he has given us um, that ensures victory every time, because it, it, it may not always look like victory at that moment, but it is. If God yeah. is in and if he's orchestrating it, he's bringing us to the other side. And it's, it's always going to be a place of bounty. So Kim, as we wrap up, can you share about a woman in the Bible whose story has inspired or encouraged or taught you something and how her story relates to yours? There are so many, but I'm going to say Ruth. I'm so inspired by her her story because not only do you have these two widows who are connected for destiny, there's so much I read into her commitment to Naomi. Here, that you know, united by their struggle, but then also united by the blessing of what God did for them. So I admire her faith that she is both of them are walking into the great unknown. And she's also committed to this older woman. And I thought of my father, you know, how I was committed uh, to him in, in every way that I could. And at the end of the story of Ruth and Naomi, they both end up blessed tremendously. And so um, that's how my, my life has been. You know, while, while God has required me to walk by faith um, all throughout my, my life and especially my personal life, because again, I got married for the first time at 47 years old. It didn't need to happen a day sooner than it did. Yeah. You know, I mean, at, when I was 25, yes, I thought it should have been happening then. That's right. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but but God, um, his ways are, are perfect. And so Ruth, I've always admired, especially the passage when she says, entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following thee. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And it's just such a beautiful passage that bespeaks commitment, deep commitment. And that I want that to be a hallmark of my life and my relationships, that I want to be committed and I want to journey in faith every step of the way. Amen. Well, in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. 
This is a verse that Kim uses as the guide for life. First Peter 2.12 reiterates that, instructing us to live such good lives among unbelieving neighbors that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God. Those good deeds are to flow out of our love for God, not out of our struggle. So they're not hard or laborious. It's joining God in his work, like Kim has done all her life. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has good work prepared just for you to do with him. When we walk with the Lord and allow him to use us, that good work, good work flows out effortlessly and God is glorified. Kim, would you take a moment and just pray for everyone who listens to your God story? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and this platform to share of your goodness. And I just want to pray for the, the women who will be listening um, to my story, Lord God, I just pray that they have found encouragement, Lord, in their journey of faith. Lord, those who are waiting on you, whether they're waiting for spouses, waiting for opportunities, God, for prayers to be fulfilled, for loved ones to be saved, waiting for bodies to be healed, waiting for clarity. Father, no matter what it is they're waiting for, Lord, give them that blessed assurance that when you come through, Father God, no matter when, no matter how long it might take, that it will have been worth the wait, Father, because you make all things beautiful in your timing. So bless these uh, women tremendously, Lord God, and bless them to be a blessing. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. Links to the scriptures and other helpful information can be found in our show notes at hergodstory.org. There you can also sign up for periodic emails. You can get a free Her God Story devotional, and you can find out about the Somebody Cares Widow and Orphans Fund. Uh, if you need prayer, please feel free to call or text the Somebody Cares 24-7 prayer line at 855-459-CARE, or you can email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. We'd love for you to share Kim's story with friends and be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And now, dear friends, I leave you with a blessing from Philippians 2.13 and Matthew 5.16. May the Holy Spirit work in you to both will and do his good pleasure so that your light will shine before others and that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.